0: Hello, everybody, and welcome again to Wednesday Night Live. My name is Ron Crawford. I'm the pastor of the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas, and I also am very blessed to be able to join my congregation in Dallas in saying hello to our Saints Network family across this country of ours and the many, many nations where our saints' family are positioned by God. We welcome you to a time in the Word. These are are amazing times. They're amazing moments. And, you know, I was uh, sharing recently about the perplexities of this transition where God has obviously been saying for the past couple of years, He's turning the uh, he's turning the page in his um, according to his eternal time frame and and um, we we have served in a certain way in being prepared uh, for what is coming. We've served what God has been doing, and now we're being prepared to mobilize into the new. And that's that can be a, 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 an unsettling thing as, as is always the case you know I <laughs> I've never been one that I know there are some of you that are really ambitious and you like change uh, I never really have been a favor in favor of what it feels like to go into something totally new I remember very clearly having difficulties when I went into grade school of course I was four years old when I did that but um, I it took me a while to adjust I remember when I went into to junior high school seventh grade I was petrified and um, but I adjusted and so those times of transition no matter how you react to them no matter what your personality is, they always feel different and unsettling. Um, however you use that feeling is up to you. But we are we are facing an unprecedented moment in the history of mankind. We are seeing things happen in our world that are incredibly peculiar. And um, I... I'm just stunned at things that I see but it it makes me turn to the Lord and say father you have used the saints and and partnered with us throughout the past couple of decades and we've seen phenomenal miracles occur and outposts of saints established in many different corners of the world That that's that's an incredible thing and we're thankful to you for that you've taught us so many wonderful things and we're grateful for that learning and that um, discovery that has been orchestrated by the spirit of truth we're so grateful for that But now, Lord, we are at a moment where you are doing something very peculiar, and we have been asked to fast and pray. We have been asked to prophetically offer a number of types of gatherings uh, where we pray and seek God together, and that's that's a privilege. But yet we recognize that we absolutely have to have your direction and we absolutely have to navigate this uh, this transitional time so that we can be of service to you in the fields that the new horizon that you have ordained for us to serve in. And I you know I think in that there, it, the transitional uh, discomfort, as it were, uneasiness is a kind of hunger. And and I think we need to view it that way and recognize that our best maneuver right now is to come before the Father and thank him and be ready to move forward. So today, the Spirit I believe has led us to a very familiar passage of scripture and it is one that we relied upon greatly when God initially touched us and changed us and that passage is Isaiah 28 and so I encourage you to turn there or to access it and we're going to look at God's strange acts. Isaiah 28. We're going to eventually end up at verse 21. But I want us to reiterate some of the things that we've walked through in the Lord um, in this passage. I remember as we go through this 28th verse, 28th chapter, it's it's phenomenal the things that God has highlighted for us. For instance, like verse 6, for the spirit of judgment and taking the battle to the gate. How he's taught us about his seven spirits and what the spirit of judgment and the spirit of burning is from the scripture. Um, We look at um, the the travesty of how false prophets can lead people astray. And then we see in, in verse 9, Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. And we, we talked about how God wanted us to take us from those elementary things, those babyish things, that milk, to go into the meat of the word and then it says in verse 10 precept must be upon precept precept upon precept line upon line line upon line here a little and there a little and we talked about how God would train in this way precept is a directive from a superior or from a father It is counsel and instruction. It is rooted in responsibility and our uh, position within the authority structure God has placed us within. And then line upon line are the specific things that God wants us to remember, to learn and remember. The structure as it were. So you have relationship and structure. Because when you have a relationship with God, He's going to teach you things. And He subsequently then wants you to apply them. You have the double issuance there, where precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line. And we know that wherever there's a double issuance, it does not necessarily just mean a transition. But it means an, an, intimate, an intimate appeal to where it's more than just an intellectual pursuit. It is, it is an endearment from God to you. And then, you know, how that God brings things that we weren't expecting. Here a little and there a little. Points that affect us and direct us. That keep us humble. But also inspire us with the creativity of God. That that's great. Then verse eleven, with the stammering lips in another tongue, will he speak to this people? We know the validity of praying in unknown tongues and interpreting and how that we're speaking the mysteries of God and we are speaking to God and and all of the teachings and the studies we've done about that great Pentecost gift. And in addition we talk about what the Bible says in Corinthians about diversities of tongues, two different terms. And how necessary that is to be able to move beyond the barriers of our own thinking into um, the realm of, of God's currency of expression. And then verse 12, it talks about the rest and the refreshing, which again is an extended teaching, but it's, it's about how that we serve God to establish his kingdom and to scab- establish his abiding presence. This is a wonderful wonderful thing which we've been privileged to do uh, throughout the world and as we do that we have a revisitation of verse uh, of uh, the precept and the line upon line but then it adds to it and we've seen this now when we talked about precept and line early on we didn't really talk that much about what verse 13 goes on to say that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken Um, I didn't really like that. I felt initially and this was true that this was those who rejected the process and that is true you know, God lays uh, what he wants to have done and to some they, they just don't want to have anything to do with it and it becomes a damnable thing. It's the stone that's rejected. But I think that this second visit of line and precept is something that we've faced recently or over the past few years. Some are going forward. Some are falling backward. Some are broken. Uh, And that would mean that we are, you know, we should be submitted to God. Some, though, are snared because they refuse to be broken by the Spirit and refined. And subsequently, then, they're taken. They're taken away. That's tragic. But we have seen this, and that's not the focus of this program today. But we've seen this, where God, in this transitional moment of applying the lines and the precepts, He says that we've got to be refined. Are we going to go forward, or are we going to say, well, no, we can't go forward? We've got to go back because, you know, we're just way out there. Are we going to let God refine us? make us contrite or we going to rise up and say no I'm going to go after what my iniquities are wanting and subsequently be snared and then taken away taken away by what? by your own um, unwillingness to move in the Lord it's tragic but we we see this word of God, this word that has been written thousands of years ago, still breathing, speaking. Hear the word of the Lord, you scornful men, and those that rule the people which are in Jerusalem. We've made a covenant with death, you say, and with hell we are at agreement. When the overflowing scourge shall come through, it shall not come unto us, for we've made lies our refuge. And under falsehood have we hid ourselves. Boy, are we seeing that today. You know, we we don't want to fight the enemy. We don't want to come against the kingdom of darkness with light. We're just going to come into alignment with it. And we're going to buy into all the lies. And we, we believe we're going to be protected and preserved and prospered through this. This is our refuge. We're going to hide ourselves under falsehoods. How does God answer this? Thus says the Lord God, I have laid in Zion for a foundation a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Judgment will I lay to the line and righteousness to the plummet. The lies will be swept away by hail and waters will overflow your hiding places. Your covenant with death will be disannulled. Your agreement with hell shall not stand when the overflowing scourge shall pass through. Then you will be trodden down by it. This is interesting, isn't it? We really are seeing the word of God show itself in a timeline that we've been walking. You know, God brought us to a place of transition. And here... This second issuance of precept and line is is indicative of that. And some refused to be refitted for the new day. Instead, they went with their own devices and they made a covenant with death and with hell. And they said, we're going to embrace the lies and the falsehoods. And we're going to be preserved and protected by it. Because this is just the way things are now. Those of you who are clinging to the cornerstone. And not kicking against it. We're going to show you that you're wrong. You're you're missing it. And we're right. But judgment is going to be laid there. And there's going to be tumultuous times that are going to come upon that system of thought. I don't. Am I proclaiming that? Am I wishing it would happen? Is it vengeance on my part? No. It's just what the word of God says, and that agreement with hell is going to be disannulled and won't won't stand. That covenant with death is disannulled. The agreement with hell won't stand and god is going to preserve his people in the midst of a tumultuous time i believe that time is coming and i i won't dwell too much on this because it can be very disconcerting for any true citizen of our country i am appalled by the things that I see happening in our government, in our land. And I, I, I believe that there is a judgment coming upon this nation. We're already seeing it play out. But unless the people of God turn to Him, and unless the visitation of the Spirit of God comes... in a a way that God has prophesied I, I dread what's going to happen across the world. Now when God visits and he will not everybody's going to want it. We saw that in the initial visitation. You know I was just foolish enough to believe that people in my church, the general churches, would be thrilled to have a deeper understanding of the scripture and to go deeper into the heart of God and to um, seek Him and experience Him. But they, many of them, didn't want the line and didn't want the precept and certainly didn't want the here a little there a little. They didn't want to be contrite before the Lord. They thought they had it and they didn't want anything new to disturb that seemingly pleasant existence and the rest is history. You say, well, what do you expect from people? Well, God bent over backwards I would say to try to bring this forward I mean he he, I look back on the history of this congregation and I see that for 17 years me uh, that pastor when the transition came I had been pastoring for almost 10 years at that point But for 17 years my family and I were here we knew the people the people knew us we had known uh, lots of different challenges but God was faithful and we were blessed and we were successful so the people it wasn't some upstart that came in and decided we're going to rattle the cage and mix things up I was one of them they were with me we were together And so it wasn't about some uh, wrongful um, application. God knew all all of the scenarios. He carefully brought it about so that when he visited, people would really have no excuse. God always does that, doesn't he? God is good. God's doing that with us today. We as saints find ourselves in a very unique position because God had warned us. Transition is coming. In my eternal timetable, transition is coming. You've served me and we've partnered together to get to this point. And now I I am positioning you to go forward into the new. Will you go with me again? Will you ride with me? Will you come with me? And that's where we are it's an ending of certain things not a doing away with them an ending of certain things a building upon that foundation and going forth into the new this is the way God always moves or he tries to move we've said on many occasions that success is regularly the death knell of any movement because people think we've arrived we have it all we have all the gospel we have it all so we're not going to change. That's not the way we've done it. We've never done it that way. It's not the way I was raised. And and so God can't do a new thing and people die on the vine by rejecting Him. That's just the truth. And that's the way it is everywhere. You know, you think, think about it. Example in the scripture over and over and over and over again. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to delve into that I will give one of them. You know, when the people of Israel finally came into the land and they were gaining their inheritance, and when Joshua died, they were all settled. They didn't want to expand into the ends of the earth. Why put yourself at risk? Even when they were crossing over into the Red Sea into the land, two and a half tribes said, oh, You know, we've got ours, you go on ahead. And if it wasn't for Phineas who went in there and threatened them, <laughs> they would have had none of the let's, let's invest ourselves into the new. And there are many examples of this. That an angel came up after Joshua died and said, What are you people doing? I'm paraphrasing now. He came up from Gibeon and he said, or from Gilgal, and he said, Look, you're not fulfilling what God brought you here to do did it have an effect no the days of the judges began where everybody did what was right in their own eyes that seems to be always the default mode of the church and there was it was a startling thing it was a disastrous thing it was not what God wanted so we are in a unique moment and we we need to be sensitive to the Spirit to move in that moment. And, and I believe that what we're going to see is something that the Lord speaks about in verses 20 and 21, which is really the objective of this time in the Word today. The bed is shorter than that which a man can stretch himself out on and the covering narr- covering narrower than that he can wrap himself in it for the Lord shall rise up as in Mount Perizim he shall be wroth as in the day in the valley of Gibeon that he may do his work his strange work and bring to pass his act his strange act now therefore don't be mockers Let your bands be made strong. For I have heard from the Lord God of hosts a consumption even determined upon the whole earth. So give ear, hear my voice, hearken, hear my speech. This is what we're going into. And what do we need to do to align with God's strange work and his strange act? I was led to this passage particularly verse 20 because of a dream that I had recently I referenced this yesterday in our broadcast on Saints Radio And in the dream uh, briefly I was going into a a large facility a worship a church I think it was may a large auditorium and I don't really know why I was there. I, I know that it had to do with revisiting my purpose here in Dallas. And um, in fact, I, I knew immediately that it was in accordance with why God brought me here to begin with. But when I came into this auditorium and I was brought to a place that I was supposed to be seated, I was a guest there. I looked down and the chairs that I was supposed to sit in was about two inches tall and I looked down and I thought I can't sit in that there's no way and uh, then the dream ended so I thought about what in the world does that mean in Scripture and the closest I could come was this bed being shorter and the covering narrower and the seat of course has to do with authority and with a a designated duty and service and I, I recognize that this was aimed at giving me a perspective regarding where we're going we're going to talk about the two different types of strange works that this scripture speaks of but I will say this we are going to have to recognize what God has given us as saints as Pneumatikos people we're going to have to cherish that and we're going to have to do two things number one of course we're going to need to seek God but in that our perspective is going to have to be aligned in two ways We're going to have to recognize that when we're asked to come into places that we're going to have to decrease and allow what God has given us to be applied to people that may not be uh, ready to receive immediately the meat. And secondly we're gonna to have to recognize that we're just different God has made us that way I'm not saying we're better hear me but we are different and anybody that tries to make us the same is fooling themselves now I, I kind of hate I, I love and appreciate what the father's done but sometimes I look at what the general church is and I, I grieve over it. I feel like when Jesus looked out over Jerusalem and wept and said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often have I wanted to draw you under my wings as a, a chick gathers its hands. And you wouldn't allow that. You slain the prophets and you rejected the word. I feel that if we're partnering with Jesus as we are with Christ, like Christ, we need to prepare ourselves for that and weep instead of be angry. Even though when Jesus went through the temple, according to the Scripture twice, read it for yourself. Once at the beginning of his earthly ministry, once at the end. I know that people debate and argue about whether he was angry or not. Well, let me just say, he how about he wasn't pleased if you take the time to weave together a whip and you turn over tables and you swing that whip uh, you aren't happy or maybe uh, maybe we can just say that he was making a a determined expression that what was going on there in that temple was not pleasing to the Father how about that I I have seen, as you have, many different visitations of God rise and then dissipate. I've seen people run after this and run after that. And the only thing I can say is we're seeing the same thing happen now with the progressive movement and it's... It's it's a travesty. I only pray... No, I, I shouldn't say pray. I'm not praying about it. But I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Beast and the False Prophet don't have killer musicians and crank out some really good tunes because that seems to be all you need to build a movement. People will flock to that. I remember when Morningstar said, you know, our music is really anointed by the Lord, but we're not happy that people are like groupies to the music. They should be here because of the Word, but they come because of the mu- moves, music. So we're gonna stop doing things the way we've done in music and uh, so that people will focus on the Word again. I'm giving a paraphrase of that. Uh, I'm sad that that happened because we didn't worship their music, but you can still listen to some of those old things, and it's not just talking about me, me, me. It's talking about thee, thee, thee. I want to come into the deeper things of the Lord. I want to I want to move with you and be a warrior for you. I want to take the land. And uh, it's not just talking about, oh, come and fill me with a warmth. And even though those things are great, I mean you you want to you want to be a lover of God. But if that's all you are, you're not going to accomplish much. You've got to be a warrior as well. You've got to do something with what he says to you in those moments of of deep commune. And I think that the church either doesn't want that kind of expression of deeper commune, or if they accept the deeper commune, they don't want to do something that is, is going to be uh, violent taking it by force and so you have roadblocks along the way and I, I I don't like that I see what's there and and I I've, I've seen the way it rises as an obstacle to the true depth of what the spirit wants and and I I, I know that we need to we need to recognize it and just think consider what Jesus did where he humbled himself made himself has no of no reputation and came and was the voice of the father i you know he said things to his disciples like you know i'd like to talk to you about a lot deeper things but i can't the apostle Paul said, you know, you should be dealing in the deeper things of the meat of God, but you want to dwell with the milk, which is exactly what Isaiah said here. We read it earlier. You've got to be weaned from the milk, and you've got to you got to go forth into understanding doctrine. And and moving forward into the knowledge of the deeper things of God because that's who the saints are that's who the Mnemonicos people are and we really need to have that because if we don't we're going to be defeated even on a national scale Um, you know we saw that China uh, tested a, a hypersonic rocket capable of delivering nuclear warheads that alarmed our defense uh, department, and you know we're we've our defense department has spent a lot of time naval gazing, and I don't mean U.S. Navy. I mean naval gazing. Uh, uh, you know, are we politically correct enough? Are we woke enough? And we have we've can we've viewed. The navel gazing so much our our heads are stuck way up in our navel. And we may not be ready for the next measures of conflict that are sure to come. And I wonder about the church in that way. So we have to I think part of the part of our transition is to be seek the Lord, be grateful for what He's brought us to but also recognize what he's done and what we need to do to be effective and I think that is true but also what does God mean by what he says about a strange work and strange acts this is important for us and to this point in our studies over the years of Isaiah twenty eight, the Lord has never focused on this before or highlighted it for us to teach until now. Strange work. This word Zur is, is really a, a work is an action. And this word, Zur, is, is regularly translated. You're going to find this generic translation about a foreigner or a stranger. And um, it was a science fiction movie in the early 80s. that the, the villain was Zur in the Kodan Armada. It was another time where Hebrew word was used to describe a science fiction scenario. Zur just meant somebody that was strange or foreign. But this, this term means more than just a foreigner and strange stranger. Um, it it means first of all some kind of a a almost a, a wise action. To bring supply. It was used in the ancient world and in the scripture to talk about somebody that could discern not simply a well, but where runoff water would accumulate under the surface, not very deep, but under the surface, and you could tap into it to provide for an army on the move. Or for uh, cattle. So it was different than a well. You know most wells you have to dig down into the aquifer into the underground streams and you have to go pretty deep. I remember visiting our friends up in Ohio and um, they had a well that was over 200 feet deep and others in Arizona they have to dig really deep to hit these. This is not that. This strange is gaining water that may not be apparent on the surface, but it's from a runoff. It's it's um, it's really a unique term, and skilled military people could discern where where to tap into that. I'm not skilled in that way, but I think spiritually, God is going to lead us to unexpected, measures of supply that are there obviously you're not going to have to dig deep for them but they are there and I wonder I wonder if that's not what happened with with uh, Hagar and Ishmael and the angel caused that water to come up I, I don't know the angel can do whatever he wants to do because he was sent from God to provide but we're going to need this measure of something that was deviated and discovered, something that <clears throat> went away and disappeared, but then was gained. So you—you know, you always wondered about that, you know, because we get rain, and um, uh, a lot of times you wonder where did the rain go. Sometimes you see flash floods. Uh, and you you can see what the abundance of rain brings other ways it goes down and it permeates through the, the, the crust of the of the soils and it then can be tapped in the aquifers below but there in the ancient world was this measure of supply and and I think that's a strange act It's a strange work. Also, this was used to describe alien nations who would serve and who would provide. Now, we're going to need that too because God is leading us to people that are not the norm. Uh, you know you see in the scripture over and over again where it speaks about foreigners tending to your to your uh, uh, your flocks and priests uh, uh, princes and princesses tending to your children and providing that's this type of a viewpoint And so you have supply and you have, those of uh, people groups that have been ordained by God to serve. Even though this term wasn't used in the New Testament, I wonder if this was not what the Magi were. And they came, and they served, and they provided. And I believe also for us, we're going to, we've been led in to the nations and we God knows we've served and we're grateful for that I mean the last few years the, the last couple of years where uh, before the pandemic froze things I uh, just I know lots of people were traveling so I'm not saying I'm the only one but I, I'm the one teaching so I can give my illustration I, I, I flew over 125,000 miles each of those last two years and that took me away from my family. It took me away from my church, the place I loved. But it was what God called all of us to do. So we've been faithful to, to, the, to the best of our ability to go. And we're reaching out weekly to nations. We're grateful for that. We're not patting ourselves on the back. This is a, this is a gift from God for us to be able to serve him in this way. But what we're going to see happen in the time that is immediately ahead which God is outfitting and preparing us for now is multitudes, hidden resources hidden groups and leaders that are not just interested wanting to try the newest thing but are hungry for what God has said. The word has prophesied this there will be people from many languages who come and take hold of the hem of the garment and say, we will go with you. We will be called by your name. Or, come, let us pray with you. We've seen how you hala, how you are able through God and through his word to see the challenge, but then overcome in partnership with him. We want that. This is what we're need, needing. I am not interested in those that just hear about us and want us to come so that they can entertain their group or that they can say we've sampled this you can't build a relationship on that and God is looking for people who are in it with him for the long haul so that's strange act now what about also how God relates to his people Gideon one of our favorites here at the Father's Church a judge remember when he had a fleece before God and you can argue whether that fleece was what God really wanted or not why it had to be repeated twice <laughs> but at one point Gideon picked up the fleece when it was gathering the dew and he, the Bible says he thrust it together he positioned it so that a ringing out could happen. That's also this word zur. And I I believe that some of the prophetic words that God's giving us, some of the points of obedience that will guide us into what we're supposed to be doing, um, as we gather those words together, God is going to bring provision. And through that, supply is going to come. So this is an interesting type of a thing, and I think there in that same verse, God gives examples. God rising up as in Mount Parazim, and Roth as in the Valley of Gibeon. I think the, the Mount Parazim business, most scholars believe that this was the Baal Parazim, where God broke out upon the servants of Baal and caused them to become as a, as water that flew flowed away and disappeared that's a beautiful picture baal pirazim and god god knows how to defeat the enemy he knows where the enemy has been defeated and he knows how to recoup those treasures of darkness And the places where that water that broke apart can be redeemed. I think that's very interesting. I don't think these... You know, you're not going... I'm just telling you. You can study this. You're not going to find this in any of the commentaries. I've looked. I looked at ten commentaries last night and seven lexicons. Nobody's saying this. I believe this is a Word of God for us. Why is Baal Perizim mentioned here in regard to this strange, strange work? Because it's the same principle. God turned the enemy army, those that were serving Baal, those demonic outposts, those that would say they're gods, but they're really just created beings that rebelled. God knows how to take those treasures of darkness wherever they're hidden, and redeem them, not only vanquishing the enemy, but supplying the people of God. You know, this is our heritage as saints. And God is giving us the wonderful privilege of partnering with Him in His strange work. But then it says that he'll bring about, bring to pass his act, his strange act. Now, this is a different word entirely than zur. This is, with its derivatives, nachi. And it it really means an alignment, Uh, alignment with things you weren't expecting to be able to, through the Spirit of the Lord, recognize, and this is key to this word, what God is bringing that you may not have expected. And hopefully, you're not going to be deceived by it. This is what we've got to pray, because the enemy is going to try to twist both of these strange things. He's going to try to bring supply that's not from God. And he's going to try to bring alignment that's not from God. So we've got to be quickened to recognize God's going to move in this way, but also not be deceived. So what does this Nachim mean for his strange act? Well, I said it's an alignment, really. Um, It's this word was used when Boaz looked at Ruth. She was a foreigner, but God gave her favor. And through that recognition and that alignment, the lineage of Christ was formed. And we, we saw the miracle of this particular alignment in a very endearing and wonderful way now in a stranger sense when Joseph's brothers came to Jacob and they brought his robe of many colors dipped in blood Jacob recognized using this term that garment and through that he was convinced that what lie his brothers were telling was true now let's recognize the fact that there is a lie here but let's go deeper into the meaning of the word and that meaning that Joseph was known by Jacob that robe of many colors was given by Jacob and that was the thing that was recognized so I believe that not only God is going to bring supply not only is he going to be in his strange work bringing um, those that will serve alongside us and not only will he cause us to be able to gather up his prophetic insight as a means of being able to interpret and gain this supply, this water of life and provision, but he's also going to sharpen our vision so that we will be able to see his alignment, even though it's different, it's strange, it's not what we might have devised. It's not what we might have thought. Boaz to Ruth. Jacob to the choice garment of a son that he trusted who God would use mightily on the world stage. This is what God wants. Now, how does this align with how God brought about His wrath in Gibeon, in the valley of Gibeon. Well, let's—we know this. Gibeon is a storied part of the uh, of the Old Testament, and I'm, you can easily look that up in your Bible dictionaries. But for the sake of time, which we're running out of, um, I want us to look at Joshua chapter ten. And let's see what happens. Remember, uh, Gibeon was a a greater city than Ai. And the Gibeonites made themselves to look like distant travelers. They came and made an alignment with Joshua. And God then used that. The Gibeonites served. The, The tabernacle of Moses was kept there. Uh, Solomon went there had dreams at Gibeon about the wisdom you know the Gibeonites became a uh, it, it was a city in Benjamin in the in the place that the tribe of Benjamin would have but they were used of God they deceived Joshua but God turned that so that being said what about the wrath in the valley of Gibeon verse. 1 of chapter 10. Now it came to pass when Adonai Zadak, king of Jerusalem heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it as he had done to Jericho and her king so he had done to Ai and her king and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them that they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city as one of the royal cities and because it was greater than Ai and all the men thereof were mighty now look at that sometimes I don't think we realize who these Gibeonites were these weren't some 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 gathering of little wimps I want you to notice too that here is the king of Jerusalem we remember Melchizedek who came to Abram the king of righteousness. Well, this guy, Adonai Zedek, was obviously, I would say, undoubtedly, of the lineage of Melchizedek. He was the king of Jerusalem, where Melchizedek was from, but only here he is Adonai Zedek, righteousness. Adonai righteousness. He he obviously knew how to align and to bring about um, alignments with other kings. Adonai is that. Everybody in their place, everybody doing what they were equipped to do, everybody finding that position that God created them to have according to righteousness. So this man who was going to organize an opposition against the Gibeonites and against Joshua was operating in somewhat of an anointing. I think we should not miss that especially when we recognize that the strange act was all about alignment. Isn't that true? We just looked at that. So Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent unto Hoham (laughs) Hoham, king of Hebram, unto Piram king of Jarmuth, unto Japhia king of Lachish, unto Debir king of Eglon, saying, Come up unto me, and help me, that we may smite Gibeon, for it hath made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Therefore the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, the king of Eglon, gathered themselves together, went up, they and all their hosts, and encamped before Gibeon, and made war against it. I want you to see here, before we go into verse 6, what happened. The strange act of God alignment was equated in poetic form with how God was wroth in the valley of Gibeon. The alignment with what God was wanting to do here was the enemy using a false anointing of alignment. Adonai Zedek, a false alignment of righteousness. We cannot dismiss this. This is this is a hidden truth for us. So verse six: the men of Gibeon sent unto Joshua to the camp at Gilgal, saying, Slack not thy hand. (laughs) I love that. From thy servants, come up to us quickly and save us and help us for all the kings of the Amorites that dwell in the mountains are gathered together against us. Now, some today say that these were descendants of the Nephilim. You can read about that in modern doctrinal thing. And so, Any spiritual warfare, they say, was accomplished right here. And after this, there needed to be no spiritual warfare. See, that's another twist on modern Christian doctrine, which is ludicrous. But be that as it may. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people, men of war with him, and the men of valor, who were mighty. The Lord said unto Joshua, "'Don't fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand.' There shall not be a man of them stand before thee. And Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly, and went up from Gilgal all night. And the Lord discomfited them before Israel, and slew them with a great slaughter of Gibeon, and chased them along the way that goeth up into Beth-Horon, and smote them to Azekeh, and unto Mekedah. And it came to pass as they fled from before Israel were in the going down to Beth Horon that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them. More of them died with hailstones than they which the children of Israel slew with the sword. Now, some people are being deceived today by doctrines of demons that says, how can a God of love do this kind of thing? and you don't recognize that the God of love was with his children coming against those who refused to serve the God of love who were worshiping demons, worshiping those that said they were gods. This was the economy of the day and I can tell you that if the God of love had not cast down these hailstones all of those Ones that Adonai Zadok had gathered would have obliterated the children of Gibeon and have, would have done the same thing to Israel. So there you have it. God is going to stand for his ways. He was wroth at Gibeon. Why? Because of the alignment that God was bringing about and the dominion that God was bringing. And his strange act is equated with the wrath in the valley of Gibeon. So look at this promise to us. The strange work of God where he brings provision and alignments and the strange act of God where he is bringing a recognition of measures of of uh, alliance this is what God is wanting us to be ready for and to expect and we should recognize that there will be those that are have doubled down on the covenant with death and their agreement with hell and their covering of lies and falsehoods we need to recognize that the enemy will try to come against the work of God but he will be scattered as Baal was and he will be totally uh, thwarted as this false alignment of enemy kings do we glory in that in what's going to happen on the earth? No. Did God start it? No. You see, what's missing in this story about Gibeon? We kind of focus on the deception that Gibeon had. What would have happened if Gibeon had just come and said, listen, we know. Now obviously the place that they were uh, living was the place where kings, the kings of Israel, were anointed and appointed? So there, histeme was a divine place. What if they had come and said, "We want to serve God with you. We we will be, we will be your brothers, and we we will serve." I believe that that's what God wanted. I believe that that's what he desired to do. Obviously, he blessed it and obviously he made their city as a revered place. I mean, you think about the cities in the Holy Land. You got Jerusalem, you got Bethlehem. You even have Shiloh, you've got you've got um, um Gilgal and Gibeon was right up there and God wanted to align with that place and he did and the people there served God this is what God wants to bring to us how can a loving God do any of these terrible things well he's not doing them it's the enemy chooses the battlefield Adonai Zadak brought these kings to obliterate Gibeon And to obliterate the people of God. What was God supposed to do? The enemy chose that battlefield. And God brought victory to his people. So, I think for us, as saints, we have lived Isaiah 28 and will continue to live it. But now we need to really believe in this new horizon that God is going to use His strange work and His strange acts and we're going to partner with them. Praise be to God. Thank you for taking the time to join us in this study today. Let's continue to pray Let's continue to believe God for His preparation, for His positioning, and for His prophetic direction, for where He is leading us. Help us not to be lulled into a point of despondency, discouragement, or inactivity as this moment of transition is occurring. We need to to believe That what is ahead is what we've been prepared for and we are going forth in the next page of what God's timing is affording I speak blessing over all of you, it's an honor to partner together with the saints and we look forward to the next time we can be together, until that time may God be with you goodbye